Welcome to The Last Resort, the last place you'd look for legitimate sports opinions. I'm your host, Fenny Harris, and I am joined by that motherfucker, Philly Brandon. Philly, what's going on? Man, it is a, it's a rough day for people of, of my heritage. Oh, you're talking about Eagles fans? People in Philadelphia, it just, Philadelphia just sucks right now. I mean, we got, we're going to get to the Eagles news. JT Real Muto broke his thumb today. It's, it's just getting kicked while you're down. Is it also snowy as fuck over there by you? Yeah, we're getting more snow as we speak. We're probably a, we only got a foot on the ground, just has never went away. We're probably looking another four to five tonight. Before we get into your big Philly news, you got to tell me, how was your Valentine's Day and how was your President's Day? Also, who was your favorite president? Oh, okay. Favorite president, Barack Obama, without a doubt. Um, just being a sports podcast, I like that's the right answer. He's like the sports president. Um, President's a- Day... My school doesn't really acknowledge President's Day as being um, a thing. So I had class on President's Day. It was a pretty regular Monday. Uh, Valentine's Day was nice. We did it Saturday night instead of Sunday night because, I mean, why celebrate on the Sunday when you can do it on Saturday and get hammered afterward? Um, so we went, drove about 45 minutes to a nice place. You know, not, not breaking the wallet, but a nice place. Uh, and then we came back and met her friends at the bar. You're not breaking the wallet, but a nice place. I mean, in all honesty, when I was in college, we had, we had a, a great place in Amherst called Pasta y Basta, and it was exactly that. You weren't breaking the wallet, but it was a classy place. You know, you get your yeah. chicken parm, you get your penne vats, you know how it is. You're putting on a button-down shirt and some jeans. It, it, it's a nice three, two to three dollar signs on Google. It, it's right in that meaty part of class. That meaty part of class. All right, I, I'll give you credit for that. Um, Valentine's Day, we just, I have a pizza place literally within walking distance from where I live. It's a, it's a huge reason why I moved to these apartments. So we ordered some pizza. I picked it up. It wasn't just pizza. We got chicken milanese, which as you know, is just a fancy way of saying chicken cutlet. Yep. Um, we got a pasta dish. It was like a vodka sauce with big, like, like the pasta that's it's rigatoni, but it's a lot bigger. And then so it was those few things, and we got a, a pizza, the pizza tartufo, which is just prosciutto on top of a white pizza. It was delicious. Big fan of Valentine's Day. Got flowers, chocolates, the whole shebang. I actually uh, ordered some high noons via Drizzly to the to the apartment because my girlfriend loves high noons, and we were running low. Ooh, I, that's the uh, the Barstool Seltzer, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, and if you try to buy it in the summertime, you will have no luck. The only reason that they're available right now it's because it's out of season okay interesting interesting i haven't had one yet um they're delicious they're a little pricey they might break the wallet for you brandon that yeah i've been, if i'm gonna get a seltzer <laughs> i'm getting the bud light seltzers typically um also my favorite president was andrew jackson don't okay. really have a reason why i just remember reading about him and thinking oh he's an interesting guy fair enough all right we got to get into this big old Philadelphia news. Biggest news of the day. Your boy, Carson Wentz, was traded to the Indianapolis Colts. Philadelphia gets a 2021 third-round pick and a conditional 2022 second-round pick that could potentially turn into a first-round pick. Is it just me, Brandon, or did Philadelphia get hosed here on this deal? Yeah, Philadelphia, well, namely Howie Roseman, got their lunch money stolen. Um, and I say Howie Rosen because he is a separate entity from the Philadelphia Eagles organization. Um, but yeah, it's bad. It's uh, Jared Goff is a, probably a nice person who has some, who's had had some success. Um, but you can watch the two guys play, and you know he's not as talented as Carson Wentz is. 
Um, he didn't have that bad year that Wentz did, but the talent level is not even close. And the fact that they got multiple firsts for him, and we got a possible first if a couple things go our way next year for Carson is just criminal. I think if this was the best that Howie could do, we're better off keeping him and going into the year of the quarterback competition. I don't think Carson Wentz's value dips too much further below this if he plays sparingly this year. I think we're already at the basement. You might as well just give him a run at it. So let's start with your Eagles. Jalen Hurts, or do you guys draft a QB early in that first round? So help me God, if they draft a QB at six, I will. I don't own an Eagles jersey. I will go buy an Eagles jersey and light it on fire. Wow. Okay. Uh, kind of surprising you don't own an Eagles jersey when you're an Eagles fan. I have a ton of Eagles t-shirts and a ton of Eagles hoodies. Okay. And then getting to the Colts, what does this trade do for Indianapolis? I mean... You assume Deshaun Watson's out of there in Houston. The Jaguars, I don't think they're going to do a 180 with Urban Meyer uh, right away. And then you have the Titans, who are good, who are good. You know, Tannehill and and Derrick Henry are formidable one-two punch, but I don't think teams are crazy scared of them after their letdown in the playoffs uh, this past season. So what does Wentz do for the Colts that Phillip Rivers wasn't able to do last year? Well, you know, youth and talent aside, which – there's a big gap there. Um, I think Carson Wentz at his best makes the Colts not only the best team in that division, but one of the strongest teams in the AFC. But the question, the reason they got him for the price that he did, it's like buying a car with a rebuilt title or that was been in an accident. You're not 100% sure. You're hoping he can get back to form. You're in a much better organization with a much better head coach who has you know, coached Carson Wentz to a 13-3 and season before. But you're not sure what you're going to get with this guy. You're not sure where his confidence is at. Um, so I think it depends. I think if Carson Wentz plays like he used to play under Frank Wright, they're, the, they're probably the top three team in the AFC. If they get Carson Wentz from last year for us, they still make the playoff because their division's real bad. Um, but they're two different guys. I want to hear about this child who sent a very emotional farewell to Carson Wentz. I couldn't bring myself to watch the video because I, I can't, I'm not someone who likes to feel things. I'm like Dennis Reynolds and Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I mm-hmm. hate, hate feelings. So talk to me about this video. Was it actually like really tear jerking? Was it, was it kind of cutesy, funny type deal? And uh, what did the kid say exactly? Yeah, so it wasn't necessarily a tear jerker. I mean, you just felt really bad because um, this kid is like, he's been an Eagles super fan since we got Wentz, really. Um, cause you know, he's, he's a younger guy. So all he knows Eagles football wise is Carson Wentz and that he's, you know, he's the leader of the team. He's just like superhuman quarterback who can do all these incredible things. Um, so he looks at him like, you know, like he, some people look at their dad when you're younger, like you just think he's superhuman. Um, right. so then now that, you know, the team he loves doesn't have that guy anymore he's like oh you know we're always going to be and and Carson Wentz has talked to him he's met him he's done zoom stuff with him he sent merch um so now he's the kids is kind of like oh you know we'll always be friends always be your number one fan and you just feel bad he doesn't understand what's going on here I mean he thinks this guy is the best thing to ever happen and it's to see like he's on Twitter just to see him get run out of town and oh I can't I can't believe he's gone You, you, you feel for the kid he doesn't get it I mean he could just become a Colts fan he could, and that's what I'm interested to see. He calls himself an Eagles super fan, but like I said, his his rendition of the Eagles has always had Carson Wentz. 
Um, now, other players have interacted with him and met him. I think he came to a charity volleyball game. Like the whole the team has embraced him, but he's a Carson Wentz guy. So it's interesting. Okay, and then final question on this topic. I know that the Bears were very interested in Carson Wentz. Carson did not want to go play for Chicago. Obviously, there was never really a deal there. What are the Bears going to do at quarterback now? Well, I mean, if you're Chicago, you got a couple of options. You have two guys on the roster. We'll start with that. Mitch Trubisky has been okay at times. Nick Foles has obviously won a Super Bowl before with some mild success since. Um, if they don't stick with those two, Nick, I, Nick Foles. Yeah, he was traded to Philadelphia. No, no, he wasn't. Why did I wait a minute? He's still on the Bears. Yeah, I thought he was re. Hold on, am I in? Did I have a dream that Nick Foles was traded? No, the deal the Bears proposed to the Eagles was Foles and picks. Oh, we okay. took the indie deal. Okay, so technically Foles could be the Bears' starting quarterback next season. Oh wow. Okay, I didn't know he yeah. was still on the roster. Okay, Both so those guys are on the roster. Okay. Obviously, you also have Sam Darnold, who's likely to move. Um, and Jimmy G could very well move. Um, if I'm the Bears, I'd prioritize Jimmy G far ahead of Sam Darnold. Um, but those are two guys, if you want to trade for a quarterback, you still have the option to go get. Yeah, I, I think out of those three guys, Darnold might have the most upside, uh, especially because of the, the shit organization he's been in for his three or four. He's the, three years in now, right? Yeah. Yeah, he has the most upside, but you got to. I mean, it's the same thing with Carson Wentz. You got to wonder what playing for the Jets for three years has done to him. Whereas Jimmy G has been in two really healthy situations. I mean, he was in a great QB room in New England, and then with a great offensive mind in San Fran. I would lean Jimmy G if I'm looking for a franchise saving quarterback with what's left. I, I get scared of his injury history, man. It just seems like the man can't stay healthy. So that that would kind of worry me about Jimmy G, whereas Sam Darnold occasionally just gets mono because he makes out with so many chicks. It, it could be worse, yeah. I mean, it could be worse <laughs> problems. All right, Brandon, let's get into some NBA news. The All-Star game is officially on, much to the players' dismay. LeBron James and Kevin Durant were the captains. Here is how the starting lineups look for the 2021 Eastern All-Star squad. Kyrie Irvin and Bradley Beal are the starting guards. I think rightfully so. I think Celtics yeah. fans are probably pissed that it's not Jalen Brown, but sorry, Boston. It's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, and Joel Embiid are, is your starting front court for the East I don't think there's there's anybody who, who deserves it more than those those five guys, right? No, I mean KD, you, he's the he's one of the best players in the East. You could argue he's been out for a decent amount of the first half, um, but talent wise, yeah, that that's the only thing you could possibly even bring up. I mean Trey Young's been good, but the Hawks have been very inconsistent this year. Um, Julius Randle's been phenomenal for the Knicks. We got to bring make him an up. All-Star he'll, he'll, team, I think. Yeah, he should be on the All-Star team. Uh, I'm happy to see Beal on there, right? I mean, this is a guy who got snubbed last year. I don't and, know how they could explain leaving him off. Yeah, so so thankfully he's a starter this year. Um, who are the other teams in the—I mean, Simmons will be an All-Star. He's just not going to be a starter. He's a fringe All-Star. I think he's Tobias might have more votes than Ben at the moment. His numbers are down this year. Tatum and Brown will be on the squad. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremy Grant in Detroit should make yes, it. Yes, having a great year. Levine maybe in Chicago. Could be. Could uh, be. Anybody on the Pacers? No. Uh, right? Not Sabonis? to my knowledge. Uh, 
I don't think so. I don't think you're going to see Sabonis on there. All right. And then we go to the 2021 Western All-Star Conference starters. This is we where you have, get into it. We have Stephen Curry as your starting point guard with yes, Luka sir. Doncic mm. as the other backcourt mate. A little controversial there. Mm. LeBron James is your captain. Kawhi Leonard and Nikola Jokic. Who are some players that you thought should have got starting consideration over one of the five in here? It's astounding to me that Dame is not starting over Luka. Um, I have no personal beef with Luka, uh, but this is a team that's underperforming across the board. The Mavericks have not looked as good as we were counting on them to do. And if you're going to be in that stratosphere like Steph, like LeBron, like Kawhi, when your team fails, you got to be under the microscope. And that goes just as much for Luka. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, look, Dame will be on the all-star team no matter what. He has had a sensational year. Um, Luke has been disappointing. I think Luke is one of those guys that, um, you know, everybody in the NBA wants to see succeed. Fans love to watch him play. He's an exciting player, but bottom line is he hasn't been that good this year as, as he, you know, crazy as he was in the bubble as, as elite mm-hmm. as he's played at times last season, he hasn't consistently done that on a nightly basis. So I'm with you that Dame got robbed. Um, should Donovan Mitchell have gotten any consideration as that second backcourt mate being part of the best team in the West right now in the Utah Jazz? I think that's another name. Um, the West has been guard heavy for a while. I mean, we're not even talking about the Suns have two guards that could have started. Um, and you have Mitchell who's not up there and you have Dame who's not up there. So, I mean, it's tough. I think I would have been just as happy with Mitchell or Dame. I think there was too many good guards to wedge Luka into that spot. I'm just taking a look at uh, the West right now, but other guys you'll probably see in this game, Devin Booker should, yeah. make, should make the all-star team. Um, does Rudy Gobert make it on the Jazz? I don't really I know what his so. numbers are. I think so. He should be the second backcourt member. I think Mike Conley's a fringe all-star selection because he's been playing really well this season. Um, Paul George should make it going down the line. I don't know if John Morant has played enough. I, I don't think that, you know, he missed those those few weeks with an ankle injury. Um De'Aaron Fox at times has looked like an all-star this year. Uh, Zion Williamson or Brandon Ingram, if you had to choose one? If I have to pick one, I would honestly, I think I'd pick Zion out of the two. I really love Brandon Ingram's game. Um, but I think as far as importance to the Pelicans succeeding um, and just the, the guy you want to see in an all-star game, let's call it, this is entertainment. It really is. Um, you want to see Zion out there. If you're going to make Luka a starter for the West, put freaking Zion on the team. Let us see some crazy dunks. Let us see LeBron just, just throw him a ridiculous oop. Yeah, um, like put, put LeBron and Zion on the court together. Just give me a reason to watch this game. San Antonio is 16-11 and 11 right now. Is anybody on that roster an all-star? I don't think so, but that's also not how San Antonio usually gets by. Their young guys have all overperformed across the board, which is equally impressive. But they don't have one guy, I think, who's in the West, an all-star. What was the name of that great San Antonio Spurs reporter we had on our show? Jeff. Um, I know his Twitter Jeff handle G. was Spurs was Jeff. Jeff G, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was great. He would he would know. He would he would definitely advocate for one of those guys to be an all-star. He'd come on the show and be like, Rudy Gay. LaMarcus Aldridge, one of those. Uh, who's the young guy that, that they love? Um, they, I mean, everyone on that team is young. They're, they're a good young team. What's uh, Murray, right? Oh. Devontae Murray. Yeah. I could be, could be butchering that name. The Spurs are just one of those teams. They have DeJounte. all these. Yes. 
They have all these young guys that you just you don't get to watch, but they're they're really good. I mean, they've won 16, 16 games this season. Now, now yeah. I now I'm curious. Now I want to look at the the roster for the San Antonio Spurs. Okay, we have Aldridge, we have DeRozan's on the squad. I think DeRozan's been really good this year. Um, Keldon Johnson, someone that that has kind of overperformed this year. Uh, we mentioned Dejounte Murray. Lonnie Walker and Derek White. That's the guy I was forgetting. Mm. Derek White's been pretty good for them. They're tough. I mean, just but I, I know like NBA markets and all. I'm not paying for League Pass. I don't know if you do either. I don't. But I don't get Spurs games over here, and I would like to watch the Spurs, but it's it's they're not on national TV yet. Also, very well deserved for Nikola Jokic to start. He's been an MVP. He's been phenomenal this year. Um, Kawhi got by because you know he's Kawhi, he's Kawhi. And, and that makes sense. And, and Curry. The are good. Curry, Jokic, and James are the three MVP candidates in the West. And then you have Doncic and Leonard. And right, Leonard got the got the nod because the Clippers are really good. Um, they're doing the same rules as last year, I think, in regards mm-hmm. to, you know, first team to a certain amount or whatever. It's the Kobe Bryant rule or, or tradition that started last year. Um, I'm all for it. I think that format is so much more exciting than just playing a normal game with normal minutes uh, you saw, I mean, for three and a half quarters, you kind of saw these guys dog it a little bit with, with the showboating and the alley-ooping and the crazy highlights. But when, you know, one team needed to hit that number, the defense really ratcheted up. I don't know if you remember that final from last year, but it was like Kyle Lowry was out there taking charges. It was fantastic. James Harden was taking it strong. Yeah, dude, they were getting pissed. So I'm, I'm excited. I like the format. I mean, granted, do we really think there should be an all-star game even being played? Probably not. Not not the best idea to take a bunch of guys from different cities, put them all in a gymnasium together, and make them play basketball just because you want you know, to make your, your nut on this event. But nevertheless, if there's going to be an all-star game, I'm all for that, that new format. Yeah, I think it's called the Elam Ending. Um, I watched, uh, there's a show, not a show, but a tournament called the Basketball Tournament every summer. Great basketball. Um, it's just, it's a million dollars and it's just guys scrapped together, former pros, Italian pros, whatever the hell you can find and try and win. That's where this was born. Um, but I think, I don't think this year the game's going to suck. I really do. Um, I think part of the reason we saw such a fantastic game last year was obviously the, I mean, immediately in the wake of Kobe, which was a huge deal. Um, he always went all out in the all-star games and this new, um, this new ending. People were excited to be at the all-star game. They're excited for the Elam ending. I haven't heard any player personally come out and say, I am excited for the All-Star game this year. Um, so I think a lot of them are going to be putting their time in. They're not going to want to get COVID. They're not going to want to get hurt. Um, lost in all this, the mayor of Atlanta came out, and she doesn't even want to host the damn thing. Um, but the NBA just said, fuck it, we're coming anyway. Um, so I think you're going to see the effort be quite a bit down from last year. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you. And by the way, just I, I wanted to make sure I was right on that Kobe Bryant thing. The Elam ending that you mentioned, it honors Kobe Bryant. Do you know the connection there? Well, the Elam ending was created long before Kobe died. Um, the number that they use, it's the, the, the NBA uses 24. 24, that makes sense. That's, the okay, Kobe that's what thing. I was missing. All right. Yeah. All right, look, we have an all-star game. You and I are going to watch it. it is what it is. I'm not going to sit here complaining that the NBA is putting on this event that I'm going to consume. I just know, you know, if if no players want to play, then then maybe they should have reconsidered it. But all right, Brandon, let's get into some weekly headlines. And we're going to start 
with a recognized greatness. Shout out to Naomi Osaka. She beat Serena Williams again. This woman is a star, not in the making. She's already a star. She's she's only 23 years old, and this is the second time that she's beaten Serena on this gigantic platform. I mean, what do you what did you think of this victory? And uh, is she destined to be one of the greatest tennis players of all time? Um, I want to separate the two because what has already happened is incredibly impressive. Um, even if she doesn't ascend to where people are talking that she she might end up. I mean, that's like saying, you know, can he be the next Tiger Woods? Like the bar is so high at that point. What she's already done is incredible. Could she? Absolutely. Um, but I think even if she falls short of that plateau, it's still really impressive. Now, this was this was the Grand Slam, correct? Yeah. So this is the semifinal. Yeah. So she still has to win the final. Yeah. Which is 3.30 a.m. on Saturday. I'll catch, um, I'll look on Twitter when, yeah. when it ends. I'm with you. I mean, it's it's like, uh, it was like trying to crown Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, before they even play a Super Bowl against each other after Mahomes' first Super Bowl victory. Osaka's elite. She's fantastic. If she retired tomorrow, she would go down as as a great tennis player. But you're right. The longevity, the uh, just amount of times that Serena Williams has has won the Grand Slam. I think it's she's at, she has 17, right? Something like that. I, I don't follow nearly enough tennis, um, considering the greatness that you and I are both living through. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Serena Williams, Grand Slam titles. By the way, this is why it's the last resort. Okay, this is the last place you go for legitimate. 23. So I was, I was seven off. She's won 23 Grand Slam titles in singles, doubles, and mixed doubles. All right. That's, that's very impressive. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Osaka is great. Will she – is she on the path to Serena greatness? Yes, but will she continue on that path? We just got to wait and see. All right, next headline, James Harden officially becomes a net. Harden had one of the most epic comeback performances against the Suns on, uh, was it Tuesday night? Harden had 38 points, 11 assists, 7 rebounds, and he had the go-ahead step-back three that just sealed the game for the Nets. He was phenomenal. The Nets were down 24 points in the first half. They came back to win this game. A lot of Nets fans went to sleep. I didn't. Uh, what were your thoughts on probably watching the highlights the next day? It was just what I was thinking is I'm looking towards the playoffs, watching him do that, um, and it's concerning because uh, you have a guy who single-handedly can drag a team back like that. Um, and not only do you guys have one, you have three. Uh, say James Hart. Say, I know you guys are missing some people right now, but theoretically if that happened in any scenario, Kyrie could do that. KD can do that. Um, so and I'm going to have to eventually play you guys down the line. That is a 48-minute beginning to end A-plus effort to beat the Nets, which is kind of a tall order. Let me put this in perspective for you, Brandon. The Nets are coming off three wins going into that Suns game. They beat the Warriors. They beat the, Pac- they beat the Pacers before the Warriors. And then the night before, they destroyed the Kings. Kyrie Irving that morning says, you know what, guys? I can't play. I have a sore back. Wanted to rest. Whatever. So James Harden goes into that game against a Suns team that had won six straight home games. And you know you're shorthanded. You go down 24 in the first half. How many of these teams in the NBA are going to say, you know what, let's just pack it in, live to fight another day? Not the Nets. Tyler Johnson had 17 points. Okay, this is a guy who wasn't seeing the floor a month ago. Landry Shamit had 13 points. Jeff Green had 18 points. Joe Harris had, had uh, I think, 15 or 18 points. 
every one of these role players on the Nets decided to step up and chip in. And that's why Harden's able to, you know, to get 11 assists because these guys are hitting shots. So kudos to the Nets, Devin Booker and Chris Paul, you guys stink. How could you not protect a 24 point lead? You guys are ass. DeAndre Ayton only had 19 points, which is very embarrassing because the Nets only have one big man. Um, this was legendary. And this was Harden earning his, his Nets colors, pinstripes, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. This is one where, um, it's just a, it, it makes you feel good going forward because there's going to be games where you guys are going to stumble. Um, and no one really thought the Nets had much depth after that deal you guys did. I mean, a lot of the guys were, what was it, two years ago? The, the D'Angelo Russell years, it had you had one star and some like elite depth behind D'Lo. Yes. And all those guys have since gone, and now it was three stars and no depth. So the fact that the bench showed up and showed that they can step in when you're missing one or two guys should make you feel a little bit better about where the Nets are at um, structurally. It should. It doesn't because the Nets have basically had to rely on small ball during a lot of these wins. They still have a problem defending the paint. That might come up in the future, but we'll see. For now, I'm, I'm happy with their performances. They're on a five-game win streak headed into this uh, actually, it's a it's a four game win streak. He- looking to win their fifth tonight against the Lakers. By the time you guys are listening to this, they'll have either gotten their fifth win or they'll have lost to LeBron and company. So that's I'm sure that'll be one of two results. And then we have a get yo bag. Fernando Tatis gets 14 years, 340 million dollars from the San Diego Padres. That's 24.28 million dollars a year, Brandon. Ronald Acuna should fire his agent yesterday. Um, congrats to Tatis. He is an up-and-coming star in the league. Um, I don't think anybody's worth $300-plus million playing a sport, and I realize that Bryce Harper's making that. Um, but he's in that category. He's, he's one of those guys who can play up to that kind of contract. Um, but immediately what I thought of that was, you know, Acuna Jr. is on that same plane talent-wise, and he's making less than $200 million in total. No, I'm with you on that. Um, I actually, a lot of my friends and, and people that I trust, they said that this deal is actually pretty good for the Padres, just comparing to what other players got. So if they want to move Tatis in a few years, it's it's not going to be the end of the world. And, and there will be teams who will be willing to probably take on that contract in a few years, um, you know, if he if, if his value depreciates. But, yeah, I'm, I mean, this is a guy that if you're the Padres, you did not want to lose. You're trying to build a powerhouse in San Diego, and and it starts with keeping your cornerstone players. So kudos to both sides. Tatis got the bag, and the Padres got their guy for 14 years. Yeah, I want to. we jumped off of basketball, but Charles Barkley just said something stupid, so I want to give that some airtime. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, I love when Chuck says dumb shit. Let's go over that. Um, so Jordan Clarkson has been hot lately. Six man of the year candidate, Jordan Clarkson. Yes. Um, lately, you know, he didn't start off red hot, but, you know, he's caught fire. Uh, Charles Barkley says Jordan Clarkson should be an all-star reserve. I, I, I don't, I just don't think in the West. I don't think a bench guy can be an all-star. I really, I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't, like you said, he's been hot lately. I have no idea what he's done recently compared to what he did in the beginning of the season. I know he had a 40 burger off the bench, which is really hard to do. So kudos to him for doing that against you guys. 
Um, but you already have Mitchell, who's who's going to be an all-star. You have Gobert, who should be an all-star. Do you really want to put three guys from the Utah Jazz on the all-star team <laughs> with all the talent out there? Uh, I don't know about that one, Chuck. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, I get AD's not going to play, but I still don't think it's Jordan Clarkson. I think, especially in the West, you have to start to be considered for an all-star team. All right, and I want to stay in the booth for this next headline. Joe Buck doesn't slug back beers when he's in the booth, and if you think otherwise, then you suck. Buck unleashed a series of tweets today after a story from the New York Post, right? Yeah, where he's not just beers, down tequila. So here was Buck's response to the New York Post story. I don't tweet much anymore. I don't tweet much anymore, but I feel compelled to send a few about this dumb drinking in the booth story that is complete clickbait. Also, me giving it more attention is moronic on my part, but so what? My bosses at Fox have not said a word to me about it. They know how dedicated I, we are, and how hard we work, and how much we care about every word that comes out of our mouths. Most of all, they trust us. For three hours and through all the prep, nothing is more important. My only regret with anything I said on Colin's pod was mentioning Troy Aikman. Nobody has more integrity or works harder than him, and I am blessed to call him one of my best friends on the planet. We have fun with what we do, and back then I started this trend in baseball, and when I went back to football, I told him I had a beer in my line of sight as a visual reminder and took a sip from time to time to be loose and to remember to enjoy it. I have a tendency to get stressed and try to be perfect calling games. As impossible as that may be, as I said there with Colin Coward, it wasn't there to be consumed. It was there as more of a visual reminder that the world wouldn't end if I made a mistake. It was symbolic and one of many things I would use, like texting with my wife and kids or calling my mom at half just to chill. Troy had zero to do with it. I am an open book, sometimes to a fault, but I just really don't like hiding anything. See hair transplants or battling depression and anxiety. But when an NJ.com headline writer says that I had two, one to two drinks during a game, well, it is just another reminder that journalism is indeed dying and clickbait rules the day. Please listen to the podcast starting at the five minute mark and let me know where I said that. I didn't. I'm 51, not 15. And I believe I'm old enough to understand what a drink is. Sometimes knowing over 100 million people are on the other end of what comes out of my brain and mouth can be stressful. I have not done the trick in about four years, but I am not saying I wouldn't again. Here's a pick of a corner of my board. For, okay, he's just going to keep tweeting. I'm not going to keep reading these. We got to the main point. Basically, he has a beer. It's a visual reminder. It's almost like a security beer, if you will. Um, whose side are you on? Is Was this article clickbait or... Do you think Joe Buck is actually drinking one to two drinks in the booth during games? And mind you, we had Rich Waltz on the podcast who told us a story involving whiskey and him calling a game. I mean, yeah, I think it's clickbait. I think the New York Post is primarily clickbait. Um, I'm a journalism major at school, and we are routinely shown like New York Post articles as what not to do or how to lose your reader's trust. Um, just to prove that, you know, that it is clickbait. The one you're reading was Joe Buck drinks a couple beers. The one I read earlier was Joe Buck would drink tequila. So they're not even consistent that way. Um, I don't give a shit if Joe Buck has a couple beers. I mean, I, I don't know. I think that's when the best sports conversations happen is when you're not so worried about um, getting your facts right, your stats right. I mean, how cool would it be to just be listening to a game and you have um, Troy Aikman doing like 
the in the weed stuff, and then you have Joe Buck looking like just came out of a bar talking about why this team's frustrating. Like, man, this guy stinks. Like, you know the guy like every sports. I think that'd be entertaining. So I have no problem with Joe Buck putting a couple down. Yeah, I don't mind it. I just I find it odd that Joe Buck is always the play-by-play guy who gets picked on the most. You know, mm-hmm. whether whether it's his hair, whether it's his very dry demeanor, whether it's the fact that him and Troy Aikman both kind of have very similar personalities. Um, he just gets ripped on. You know, Barstool used to rip on him, but he went on part of my take and, and he was a fantastic interview. Um, and then this this story comes out about how he basically said, hey, I have, you know, I have a security beer. It's a comfort beer. It's there for for whatever. And then all of a sudden, this this whole story comes out. He's drinking tequila. He's slugging back beers, what have you. So I find it weird that stories like this don't come out about Ian Eagle, um, about Kevin Harlan. No, it's always it's always Joe Buck. He's always the guy. He gets kicked the most out of these play by play guys. I don't I don't understand why. And at least as far as I'm educated, I don't have any beef with Joe Buck. I mean, why why, why are people going after Joe Buck? I don't have a problem with him either. Um, I know Yankees fans hate him because apparently there's like this whole thing when he calls Yankee games, he's not, he's like, he's biased for the other team. Uh, but I, I don't know enough about that. I don't listen to Joe Buck call that many Yankee games. So, all right, Brandon, let's get to our top five. I really like this one. Uh, and I'd like to credit myself for thinking of it. It is our top five sauces. So anything constitutes a sauce, right? You can put it on chicken, pasta, what have you. Uh, why don't you start with your number five? All right. So my number five, I went buffalo sauce. Um, I know we're getting like really complicated these days with the wing sauces. And you go to some place and like, oh, I have 115 different wing sauces. That's great. If you can do buffalo sauce really, really well, people will routinely order your wings. Um, I don't want it to be hot sauce. I also don't want it to just be like orange butter. Like, you know, there's, there's some real quality with a little bit of heat, a whole lot of flavor. I got to get the Buffalo one day. Apparently that's where this whole thing started. I need to get a Buffalo wing in Buffalo. Yes. So it's funny. Um, a few years ago, I worked for game, the tailgate company. We went up to Buffalo for a meeting on president's day and they were closed. Uh, the place we were supposed to meet with was closed. So we drove six hours, did nothing in Buffalo, ended up going to one of the famous Buffalo wing spots. They're very good. I think we went to Anchor Bar, actually. That was the spot we went to. Shout out Anchor Bar in Buffalo. Um, if you're ever go- – yeah, I mean, you need to go there. If Buffalo is on your list, that's your fifth choice. They they have the best Buffalo wings in the country. Noted. My number five, it's, uh, it's a very interesting sauce. As you guys know, I'm something of a culinary psychopath. I eat a lot of different foods. My number five is gochujang sauce. Are you familiar? No, I'm it's, not. It's, uh, it's a tomato – paste based sauce it's a little bit spicy it's almost like sriracha but without the ketchup taste um i love it there's a place i mentioned on the podcast uh before the one we had with rush joy which one they do a korean cheesesteak with mozzarella cheese and gochujang sauce and you can do spicy gochujang sauce there's a ton of different kinds but it's delicious like i said tomato spicy based sauce you cannot go wrong that is my number five I'm in and I'm out on the spicy. Um, the like spicy and tomato is a little bit funky to me. Um, oh, and it's a little sweet. It's got a little sweetness to it. It's all those in one. Okay. okay. I got to get this which one. It sounds like an interesting cheesesteak spot. Um, my number four is much, 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 much more American. It is the sauce of America, um, Big Mac sauce. <laughs> 
This fits on one item and one item only. I know it's technically Thousand Island, but I've had them both. It's it's not the same. They're doing something at McDonald's, and it's probably illegal, and I don't care. Um, but a Big Mac sauce on a Big Mac when they're nice and uh, fresh and toasty. Um, I had one last night, which is why I'm, like, fanboying over Big Macs. Uh, but that's my number four. Can I make a confession to you? What's up? Never I had one. I don't know if I've ever – yeah, I don't know if I've ever had a Big Mac. More, more people tell me that, and I just – I wonder, because that was just part of, like, my, the growing up process at McDonald's. Like, when I was a kid, I would get, like, the double cheeseburger, some nuggets. Um, and then once I had, like, a certain age, my mom would be like, oh, it's, it's going to McDonald's. And she'll get a Big Mac. And I'm like, you know what? I also want a Big Mac. It's like the adult McDonald's meal. And once I have one, that's my only thing I'll get there anymore. So I grew up, like, right near a McDonald's. I mean, my friends went there all the time in high school. The thing was, Brandon, I didn't eat burgers until I was, like, a sophomore, junior in high school. Like, I was a very late bloomer with bur- burgers. So by the time I had, you know, a homemade burger off, first of all, the first burger I ever tried was White Castle. Loved it. After that, tried real burgers, like, off the grill from places. And I was just like, oh, this is really good. And I was old enough to kind of comprehend, like, McDonald's, Burger King, fast food, they're churning out a thousand burgers a day. Maybe I just don't need to try it. Now I've had Wendy's. Wendy's is delicious. Um, you know, not against fast food. I just I, I just never had the desire to try a, a Burger King uh what's the the Whopper or the Big Mac? The Big Mac kicks the Whopper out of the building. The Whopper is a big burger with the classic fixings on top. The Big Mac is just different. Okay, my number four is a sauce that you'll put on pasta. I had the best kind of this specific uh, sauce in Italy, and that is carbonara. Carbonara is a bacon or— uh, It's like a breakfast pasta, really. It's rec- to- yeah, it, it's, it's a bacon egg sauce, essentially. And when I was in Italy, they used guanciale. You can use pancetta, I believe. Um, but it's, it's delicious, man. If you like eggs, if you like the smokiness of bacon, you cook it up nice and crispy, mix it with some spaghetti or any kind of pasta of your choosing carbonara. That's my number four. My number three also hails from a similar region. Um, you know, it's no secret. I spent four months in Italy, um, somewhat recently and I got absolutely hooked on balsamic vinaigrette. Wow. Okay. But it, and it's one of those things that if it's done right, is my number three on my top five sauce list. If you come to me with the spray, like they make a spray from Ken's, I'm packing up the kids and the wife and we're leaving the house. Like this isn't a dinner party we're going to be attending. Um, but the real deal balsamic, put that on some bruschetta, put that on some caprese, um, and I can sit there and eat that for dinner. I really like that you created a hypothetical dinner party in order to uh contextualize what kind of balsamic the host was using that was that was very cool of you because i've seen it happen i've seen people go oh uh, you like balsamic yeah i love balsamic and then they spritz it onto my salad i'm i'm ill my number three is hoisin sauce uh hoisin's delicious you you dip scallion pancakes in it you can dip um dumplings in it you can put a little bit of it in a soup if you prefer uh, it's the sweetest kind of brown sauce that is offered at Chinese restaurants, Thai restaurants, and it's delicious. See, that's one of those ones I've seen routinely, probably eaten it, um, but I never asked for it. So I never knew. I never went into it expecting, okay, am I going to like hoisin or not? It's interesting. When hoisin goes with something, it's phenomenal, but it's really sweet. Like you don't want to, you don't want to douse what you're eating in hoisin. You just kind of want to like dip it, do a few droplets. Okay. Interesting. My number two is um, 
there's like this whole war about chicken sauces and I uh, Zaxby sauce is only down in Florida and it might be somewhere else but I've only had it in Florida it is like Chick-fil-A sauce for the south for people who know chicken um, I'll get oh you pay 25 cents extra I'll get like the two or three extra ones and just dip these heavenly tenders in Zaxby sauce uh, I get it once a year and I crave it the other 360 days I don't think I've ever had Zaxby's you probably wouldn't. It, it's like it's southern. It's like raising canes and all that. There's like this huge chicken war going on in the south that you and I are missing out on. I like chicken, man. I'll, Me too. I'll definitely when, when I'm in Florida, I'll definitely try it out. All right, my number two is something that you will only get at a Chinese Szechuan restaurant, and that is Szechuan oil. So there's a local eatery in my town. It's called Joyce. Shout out Joyce. You guys like Szechuan cuisine, and you're in the Bergen County area. Please go there. They do a wonton in Szechuan oil. And Szechuan oil is essentially just oil with a ton of this Szechuan flavor in there. It's hot. It's spicy. It's delicious. There is an old movie called Puddle Cruiser. And that is the five people who created uh, Broken Lizard. So Club Dread, Beer Fest, Super Troopers. Puddle Cruiser was their first movie. And there's a scene where they're talking about a woman named Suzanne McKenna. And one of the guys asks, is she hot? And the other guy says, Szechuan. Szechuan's delicious. It goes great on dumplings. It's my number two sauce. I'm a, that, that's the first one I think you said where I've had it enough to know that I'm a huge Szechuan guy as well. My number one is chipotle aioli. It is like, it's like if mayonnaise was no longer bland. Like mayonnaise is like an insult to people. Like, oh man, he's like more boring than mayonnaise. Chipotle aioli, you got like a little kick. Um, it's like an almost an old bay kind of aftertaste. I've been putting it on sandwiches. I've been having it with chicken sometimes. It's just such a diverse sauce, and it gets not enough not enough press. It's it's a superior mayonnaise to your Hellman's or your regular old stuff. Well, it's like it's like calling a chicken cutlet chicken mayonnaise, right? It, it's very yeah. similar. I personally, okay. So here's the thing. I am like anti mayo, right? Ever mm. since I saw that scene in Undercover Brother with the mayonnaise, I have just despised mayonnaise my entire life. Ioli, I'm not crazy about, but if you tell me there's a little bit of there in the sandwich, I might be okay with it. Um, the only kind of mayo I'm cool with is spicy mayo on my sushi. That's like really it. Yeah, this is along that same general area. I mean, we're still talking spicy sushi. You see aioli more on burgers. Like I think it goes really well on like an artisan burger. Um, but you know, it has its, it has its points where it's supposed to be used. All right, my number one is actually a tie, Brandon. And it's a tie between the garlic parmesan wing sauce that you get at Buffalo Wild Wings, which is by far one of the greatest sauces that was ever created, and the garlic butter sauce that you get from, like, Domino's to dip cheesy bread in. Now, I love Domino's cheesy bread. I can't I, say I've I don't know if they still I don't know if they still serve the garlic butter. I don't but I'm telling you when I got that thing of butter and it just tasted garlicky, oh my taste buds went through the roof. And then on the other side, have you ever had Buffalo Wild Wings? Have I yes, I've had Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> have you had the garlic parmesan chicken wings? I yeah, I, I I'm not a fan. Wow. And see, you're talking to someone who's not crazy about Parmesan cheese. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not a huge fan, but garlic parm, bro, in high school, order like a 10-piece or a 20-piece if I was feeling hungry, a few beers with my, 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 my friend who was older than me who would order the beers, and I would watch him drink them. Um, 
yeah, man. Uh, garlic Parmesan chicken wings from Buffalo Wild Wings and garlic butter sauce from Domino's. Those are my two number one sauces. You can't go wrong with either. Yeah, there, there's a bar in town that does much better garlic parm chicken wings. I'm out on B-Dub's chicken wings as a whole, to be completely honest. If they're not doing the buy one, get one free deal, you will not catch me there getting wings. I mean, to be fair, I haven't had buffs in about four years. Uh, me and my, my old tailgate boss used to go there a few times. And then before that, I hadn't had it since high school. So my memory of Buffalo Wild, Wild Wings is getting into the back of a kid's trunk driving 30 minutes to Palisades Park in, in, it's not upstate New York, it's like Westchester, New York. And, you know, that was like a special occasion, right? Wednesday night or Thursday night was wing night. So we'd all, eight of us would pack in some dude's van and go out there. So there's a little bit of nostalgia there for me. Yeah, I think if you just went back with your girlfriend or whatever casually, you'd be like, man, these, I could make these at home. <laughs> Buffs is one of those places that me and my girlfriend have always said we want to go to together, but like, we're never actually going to go there together. Like, ever. Yeah, because if you want wings, it's not where you're going. Yeah, and, like, she doesn't want to watch the game at Buff. She doesn't want to watch the game at all. Especially not out. At least at home, she can be on her, on her phone right. doing some other shit. Yeah, right. I hear exactly. you. All right, Brandon, that does it for this week's episode of The Last Resort. Any word for our listeners? Yeah, B-Dub, step your game up. <laughs> well, clearly, we're not going to get them as a sponsor anytime soon. I mean, hey, if you can't take helpful criticism, I can't help you out. All right. I'm Spencer. Never tried a Big Mac Harris. And that does it for this week's episode of The Last Resort. Take it easy, guys.